Badass Nation, and welcome to the Badass in Business show, the show where we help you with your inner game and your outer game, teaching you how to own your inner badass and share strategies with you to badass your business, or in other words, get what I call badassified. This is Annette Piper, the Badass Business Chick, and I am your host for the show. We have Eric Rosenberg on the show today, and I'm so excited to have him here. Eric Rosenberg is a finance, travel, and technology writer in Ventura, California. He is a former banker, bank manager and corporate finance and accounting professional who left his day job in 2016 to take his online side hustle full-time. He has in-depth experience writing about banking, credit cards, investing, and other financial topics, and he's an avid travel hacker. When away from the keyboard, Eric enjoys exploring the world, flying small airplanes, discovering new craft beers, and spending time with his wife and little girls. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you here. I, I love that you discover new craft beers. I'm all about craft beer. <laughs> so yeah, I've gotten, pretty I've been awesome. lucky. I lived in uh, both Denver and Portland, which are two of the best beer cities in the world, definitely two of the best in the country. So I've gotten to experience a wide variety. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Salt Lake City is catching up to those places. We've got so many brewers breweries here. It's crazy. But tell us a little bit more about you, your life and business, and what you're passionate about. Absolutely, yeah. So my background is in finance. I actually went to college with a plan to go into corporate finance, and that's exactly what I did. I spent about a decade in corporate finance and accounting. I picked up two finance degrees over the years, both an undergrad from the University of Colorado in Boulder, and then a MBA from the University of Denver. But along the way, I had been side hustling. I was always into money. And I'd started a little personal, actually a little blog about Israel in the Middle East and a personal blog um, back in 2006, when blogs were a pretty new thing. There weren't many bloggers out there. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time with a summer job that gave me some downtime uh, that I could be on my laptop. So I started blogging as a little bit of a hobby. And then when I left my first job, which was as a bank manager, I thought, you know, I'm going to start writing about money. I've always been into money. And so many people find the topics of dealing with personal finance so intimidating and scary. There's there's no real good financial education at most public schools in this country. So unless you were lucky enough to have parents who were good at money and taught you about it, you probably don't know a whole lot about money. It's just where, where we are in this country today. And I was in a position where I felt like, you know, geez, I was the guy who was just approving mortgages and credit cards. I was the underwriter myself. Why don't I start a blog about personal finance and help people with their journeys? So that's how it all began almost 10 years ago. This October, my blog, a Personal Profitability, turns 10. Well, that is amazing. And I, I like that you, you know, just started as a as a hobby and now you've turned it into a business. And it is uh Personal finance and even business finance, it, when I'm coaching my clients, I call it that thorn in your side because you know you've got to deal with it, but it's not your game, and so you, you don't deal with it, and it's just kind of like this thorn in your side that you can feel it, 
that you just kind of ignore it. And so we need people like you to help us understand uh, what we need to about finance. So I really like that. So how did side hustle? What's, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, when, when you say that, it's that big thorn in people's side. It, it definitely you know, comes home to me because I've known so many people over the years as a blogger that they said, oh, I've just kind of ignored my money because I, I didn't know how to deal with it. But as business badasses probably figured out along the way, no problem has ever solved itself by ignoring it. You have to tackle it and go head on into it. And I'm a big advocate of treating your personal finances just like a business. So it's a great overlap here for entrepreneurs because you should be looking at your money the same way in your business as you do in your personal finances. Yes, and a lot of people I coach don't look at either, and so uh, this is going to be a great podcast for them to listen to and, you know, another great resource for them. So how did side hustling allow you to build a business with less risk than many traditional businesses start with? I mean, it's kind of risky when you jump right from the corporate world into a business, which is what I did. Or, uh, you know, some people, they never ever go to the corporate world. They just start right in business. So how did that side hustle really allow you to uh, move into that a little more smoothly? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, and right as you said, a lot of people quit their job and they just plan to start a business right away. And that is a huge risk because for most people, um, even a lot of would-be entrepreneurs, we know there's there's some scary statistics about entrepreneur fail stories. So when you walk away from a steady paycheck, uh, you, you don't always have an opportunity to walk back to that steady paycheck. So if you quit your job, it's kind of like you know, jumping without a net or without a parachute. <laughs> you're not exactly sure where you're going to land. And uh, many entrepreneurs try to build that parachute as they're falling and hope that they can get their business up and running before they run out of money or run out of resources, whatever uh, situation w- would happen that would force them to go back to work. Uh, but by building a business as a side hustle, you don't have that huge risk. And for most jobs, you know, there, there's a few out there, like if you're a doctor or maybe a lawyer you, or an executive, you might have a clause in your contract that says you can't work for yourself or anyone else. But most people don't have that. So you could take those evening hours and weekend hours. Uh, most people use those. It used to be TV was the big thing. Now I think Netflix has taken over, but it's essentially the same thing. You know, the average person, I read a study once, said reads five or watches five hours of TV every day. Now imagine if you took that five hours and put it into a business or, or creating some kind of asset that could pay you. That way you're not taking a risk. You're not quitting your job. But you're able to start building an income and you're probably doing something a little healthier than sitting around watching TV, both for your brain and your body. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, for me, I was laid off of uh, my job after 21 and a half years, but I already had it in my mind. um, How do I transition from doing this to starting my own business? So it was already in my mind, how am I going to do this? But I think what most people don't know that you don't know business until you start a business it's it's not <laughs> something you can you can learn in a book or uh in, in college or in school you've got to like jump in and uh 
uh, hire mentors that can help you navigate it so you're not flying by the seat of your pants, which is what I did with my first business, was the fly by the seat of my pants business model, <laughs> which isn't the most effective. I bet you learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way, but you probably picked up a few shortcuts too now that you've gone through the crash course. <laughs> I did, and that's why I love uh, doing business coaching and training so I can help people navigate that in a way that I didn't know and, uh, you know, the school of hard knocks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what was great about the side hustle years before I left my job while I was running this online business, it gave me more money to do things that I cared about, like uh, paying off my student loans. I had $40,000 in student loans when I finished my MBA program, paid off in two years. I bought a condo, and then I bought a house, and now I, I, and another house. That's something many millennials would just dream of doing. And, and it's tough if you, uh, you know, saving a down payment and paying off credit cards or student loans. There's so many financial pressures and, and strains, and you might be pulled towards kids or helping out aging parents, whatever you're dealing with today. There's so many financial pressures. So anywhere you can just earn a few extra dollars, even if it's not going to become a full-time job, even if you don't want to quit your job and turn it into your only income source or your primary income source, side hustles are just a great way to pad your finances. And, and that can be a lot of fun if you pick the right side hustle, which for me, I enjoy writing. And I enjoy money, so blogging about personal finance was a great fit for me. But everyone has their own unique skill set. You know, there's something that you know better than anyone else, and there's something that you do well enough that you have an employer who's willing to pay you to do something around that today. So there's a couple of places you can already look. You know, look at what you do for work and look at your hobbies, the things you enjoy. Those are opportunities to side hustle right there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, it seems like I've always got some kind of a side hustle going on just because, you know, life gets boring if you're just doing one thing. So it gives me a chance to branch out a little bit from business coaching, having a little bit of a side hustle. So, yeah. And so when you were preparing to quit your job, what was that like? What, what was your experience? How did you know it was time for you to transition your side hustle into full-time? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. So it was it was a long journey. You know, a lot of people look online and see these people who make you know $100,000 a month or more blogging. And a lot of people put out these you know, the things that look like get-rich-quick schemes. And one thing that's important to know about blogging or any other kind of business is if it was really easy and you could just start it up and make a lot of money quickly, everyone would already be doing it. So my journey to being able to quit my job was not overnight. I was far from an overnight success, though it looked like it on the outside to a lot of people because when you hit a certain point, people start to notice. But they didn't notice the eight years of hard work before I was able to quit my job and become that overnight success. So, yeah, so I'd been building that business, going along, uh, and uh, one inter couple interesting things happened along the way. So if you're familiar with you know, big entrepreneurship bloggers out there, I've been a big pan a fan of Pat Flynn for a really long time. His site is Smart Passive Income. And I thought, oh, I'm going to build a site kind of like Pat's. I'm going to have you know millions of visitors every month. 
and I'm going to recommend products and people sign up on my recommendation and I can uh, make an income through that. That's called affiliate marketing. And outside of that, I can just create useful blog posts and videos and podcast episodes and, and make a living and it'll be wonderful and um, you know, unicorns and rainbows and kumbaya. <laughs> but that is not the plan <laughs> Google had for me. Google, uh, if you have been online a long time, there were some algorithm changes, things like Google Panda and Penguin. And I did some domain changes, and along the way, my internet traffic to my website went way down. But I was making all this money from freelancing, which wasn't something I thought I was going to make a lot of money from. But by going to a conference called FinCon every year, that's a financial blogging and media conference. I've been to every single one. I'm a huge fan of FinCon. Um, some companies there started to notice my blog and said, oh, hey, Eric, you know, we like your blog. We like uh, your style and what you write about and, and your background in finance. Would you write for our blog? We'll pay you. I was like, heck, yeah, pay me. I'll write whatever you want. That sounds amazing. I can I can do that on evenings and weekends, no problem, and really start building my income. So what was happening was while I thought my blog was going to be the primary income source, it turned out my blog was really just more of a resume for a freelance writing career that I had no idea what laid in front of me. And that's just what was working. So by paying attention to what was working in my business rather than what I wanted to be working in my business, which you know I wanted to be the big internet celebrity, but freelance writing was working, um, that's what I really started to see my online income accelerate and grow. And in 2015, I did $40,000 in revenue on the side. I do uh, income reports at personalprofitability.com. You can click on income reports in the menu to find those if you want to see the exact trajectory. <laughs> so I, I did that $40,000 a year and actually had uh, my oldest daughter. I have two girls. Uh, she was born that year as well and on Halloween. Uh, she's uh, my little Halloween baby. <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I looked at the end of the year, I started to think, wow, you know, the average person in Portland and, and a lot of people in the United States make about $40,000 a year. This is their full-time income. And if I'm able to do that in 10 to 20 hours a week as a freelancer writing online, imagine what I could do if I were spending, you know, 40, 50 hours a week on this. So like any good responsible dad with a six-month-old daughter at home and a stay-at-home mom-wife, I sold my house, quit my job, and moved to the most expensive part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I love that. And I love how you talk about, uh, you know, people see that that uh, overnight success. They start to see that uh transition they start to take notice but they don't realize the hard work that you put in before that i remember one of my mentors saying it took me 15 years to become an overnight success because they don't see that time that you're that you're hustling prior to that and you're you, you know you got your feet on the ground you're digging in you got your heels in and you're getting stuff done before someone really takes notice of what you're doing so that is awesome Awesome. And so have you found that your move out of Portland to California has also facilitated the growth of your business? 
Yeah, so what was really cool about when I left that job is I could have gone anywhere in the world. And I actually did to celebrate. I was like, you know, I've always wanted to spend more time in England. So we went, uh, I got an Airbnb and took my family. We went and spent eight days in London and then a long weekend in Paris and came home uh, to celebrate being able to work anywhere in the world. Um, if you're looking for a good financial decision, don't move to Southern California. <laughs> it is a very expensive place to live. Uh, but for us, uh, one there was a huge draw. My wife grew up about 45 minutes from where we are right now in Santa Barbara, and we're about a half hour from her parents. So family was the big draw that brought us here. But definitely leaving that job was the right decision. It was uh, It was scary. It was one of the scariest things I've ever done. And I remember, I'll never forget the night after I gave notice to my boss, I was sitting at home in bed talking to my wife and I was kind of freaking out that I made this this huge mistake, but it turned out everything worked out well. She was more confident in me than I was and I should have just listened to her, but I still let myself freak out for a little while. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah, so we took the move down to California and there was a big, uh, one. so when I left the job, my income was primarily freelance income, but I was doing two primary things for income. One was website development and support for WordPress websites. So I'd been building my own sites all along, and people started asking me for help. And like any good entrepreneur, I figured out if enough people asked me for help with something, I could start charging for it and <laughs> turn that into a business. So that grew to about, I'd say, 20 to 25% of my uh, freelance income. And the freelance writing that I'd been building all along kept growing and growing. And I had this interesting moment. So I looked and I saw that my uh, freelance writing income was 76% of my total revenue. And my website development business was about 15%. So let's, let's round up and say 20%. So that right there was the 80-20 rule. It's like smacking me in the face. <laughs> so I, I looked right at my QuickBooks and I saw um, I was making so much more per hour from writing, just knowing in my head I was spending about 80% of my time and probably getting 90% of my stress from the website work. And 20% of my time went to the uh, the writing income where I was seeing this great success. So I ended up quitting the website development side of my business, turning customers away and that's when my income really took off. So moving down to California, you know, that was, I, I, I you know, I pay, I call it the sunshine tax, just what it costs to live here. But the weather is so great and we, we have a wonderful community and we're by family. So the move was definitely the right thing for me to do in my business. And it was taking an objective look at the numbers and trying to understand, you know, again, going back to what is working in my business, not what do I expect to be working in my business? And by finding what worked and focusing again and again and again on that, I was able to really grow my income. I, uh, From that point, when I cut the website development business to the point, uh, it was about three, four months later, I hit the first $10,000 a month in revenue I ever had online, and I've hit it almost every single month since. Wow, that's a fantastic story. And I really, uh, you know, so many times as entrepreneurs, we get caught up on, you know, we've set our goals, we have our plans, we know what it is that we want to create, and we're that's our expectation. And then we see stuff coming in from the side, and it's like, oh, that's cool and everything, but here's my focus. And sometimes we keep pushing against something that isn't really working 
all for us instead of pulling back and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, the universe is sending me a sign here that, you know, here's an opportunity for me to make even more money despite what my expectations were. So that is great. I love that you shared that with us. Yeah, when you see that sign in the universe, you got to look at it. Listen to the universe when it speaks to you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned to grow your income since taking your side hustle full-time? Right, yeah. So as I just mentioned, when I quit that freelance website development part of my business, I was able to really grow by focusing on what worked. So once I got into that, uh, you know, that 10,000 plus a month range, I started to look and see, well, I'm not going to be able to really grow at this point by um, adding more clients. I kind of hit my full capacity. So it actually, it was funny. I was talking to my wife's uncle, who was a, a Fortune 500 CEO in his career. He's retired now. And before I quit my job, one time I said to him, you know, what was the real secret to success in your in your career, Uncle Dave, what, what was your, uh, what would be your biggest advice? And I was still a financial analyst at this point, and he said, you should be either selling something or making something, because those are the two parts of the company that really drive the most value. And you know, flash forward a couple of years, I'm now both selling something and making something. And I sat down with Uncle Dave at another Thanksgiving, and I said, all right, Uncle Dave, what's next? And he said, well, does it scale? So <laughs> that's what I'm working on now is finding something that scales while also trying to grow the revenue on the existing part of my business that doesn't scale. So for the part that doesn't scale, for the part where I'm essentially turning hours into dollars, which this would work for most any freelance or service type business where you are the primary service provider, it's something I'd call laddering up or leveling up, if you like video games, your clients or your customer list. So I know I could go out there and really quickly and really easily with my credentials find an unlimited quantity of articles I could write for, let's say, $25 an article. But for how much time it takes me to write each piece, at $25 an article, there's no way I'd make you know $10,000 a month. I couldn't write that many articles in a month. I, I don't think my brain would allow it. So what I've done over time is that ladder up effect. So I don't just, just like when I didn't quit my job without a parachute, I would never let a client go without a parachute. But over time, I've been able to build relationships and bring on higher caliber and higher quality clients. Um, Often they'll want longer articles, things that pay me more per hour of work I put in. Even though I never charge any clients by the hour, everything is project-based. I know I can get the most per hour working with high caliber clients. So by climbing the ladder, I'm able to take on those bigger and better paying clients, which and what I do, that usually means corporate clients, large banks and financial firms, investment companies and and funded financial technology startups. Those are primarily who I'm working with these days. But that wasn't always where I was in my career. I started working with independent finance bloggers and then started working with those smaller companies and built up from there. So, you know, I don't like I don't like the saying you have to pay your dues because I think that's a a poor mindset to take into any business thing. Uh, it should be based on your merits and not paying your dues. Um but it takes time and work and effort to build those merits and to build the skill set to charge those top level uh fees for whatever it is that you do. 
So that's been a big learning experience for me and something I, I love sharing with others is you have to strategically choose who you work with. You can't just chase every dollar that falls in your lap because some dollars are not going to be worth the effort. And if the opportunity cost, if, if what you have to give up for taking those dollars costs you more from other clients, just like it was for me when I was doing website work versus writing work, uh, you know, that, that's not a good thing for your business. So focus on laddering up as you also focus on building something that scales. And eventually, if you do both of those things well, your income should grow no matter what you do. Absolutely, absolutely. What would be a, a piece of advice that you could leave uh, to the entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast today? What's one piece of advice you'd give? Uh, so one, a, a lot of people get analysis paralysis and they're afraid to just get started. So just start. You don't need permission. And that, that's always the first piece of advice I give to any entrepreneur or would-be entrepreneur is perfection gets in the way of progress. So just get started. Uh, once you get started, I'm going to cheat and give two pieces of advice. I can never follow directions. I always have to give more when, when someone says, give me one or give me two. <laughs> so uh, second piece of advice for those who are a little farther into their business journey, which uh, I, I believe most people in this community probably are, look at the numbers and be objective about it. You know, just, just like I said, I wanted to do something different with my business than what ended up really working. I wouldn't have understood that if I hadn't stepped back put emotions to the side. I had to be more intelligent than my emotions, essentially, and pulled up my QuickBooks. That's what I use for accounting. You can use whatever you want for accounting. You should always have good accounting for your business and separate from your personal finances. But look at those numbers and find the story that they tell. And that was my job as a senior financial analyst, was to find the stories and the numbers and give them to the product managers and the marketing teams to turn those stories into you know, higher dollars coming in or, or lower costs going out. Uh, do the same thing in your business. Find the story behind the numbers. Find what's really working and focus on that and keep doing it again and again and again and stop worrying about the parts that aren't working. All right, we've probably all heard that famous quote, the definition of insanity is trying something again and again and again, expecting different results. So stop working on the parts that aren't working and focus on the parts that are working. You're already seeing the good results. Embrace that. That is totally cool. I really like that. I, I, I've never thought of it that way. What is the story that your numbers are telling you? Uh, you know, I always tell business owners, make sure you have your numbers down, your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, even though that's not my area of expertise, but as a business consultant, business coach, I'm all about having your business plan, and to me, that's part of your business plan, knowing your numbers, but I've never thought about it as the story that your numbers tell, so I just may bar borrow that from you. <laughs> oh, definitely, go ahead. I, I, I'm happy to share it. <laughs> I really like that. Well, Eric, it's been great having you on the show today. Tell our listeners where they can find more information about you and your company. Yeah, definitely. So if you already listen to podcasts, which I'm guessing you are because you're listening to a podcast right now, you can check out my show. It's the Personal Profitability Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
But I also have a freebie I want to give away to you guys for listening. I created a free week-long boot camp to help you get started with managing your personal finances and getting into that entrepreneurial journey. It's called Personal Profitability Boot Camp, and it's at personalprofitability.com slash bootcamp. As I said, totally free, no strings attached. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a, a great asset for people to have a great tool that they can grab. And again, thank you so much for being on the Badass and Business Show today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome. And everyone, Eric's info and his links will be in the podcast notes. Remember to share the podcast with other badass business owners. Check out my new e-learning site uh, at badassandbusinessacademy.com. And you can also find me at annettepiper.com. And remember to spell Piper, P-I-E, just like the yummy dessert. Go out and make it a badass day. Goodbye, everyone.